The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Jackie Fernandez. Good morning. This is Rev. Jackie, and we are live on the sacred grounds of Unity Village. We are on the sixth floor of the tower, and it is cloudy and foggy outside, so we don't have much of a view, but I'm looking at a radiant beam of light across the table for me. I'm joined today by Rev. Sandra Campbell. Welcome, Sandra. Well, thank you, Jackie. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. I'm so thrilled that you're here today. We have an important job to do today. We are kicking off Black History Month, which, of course, is the month of February. But, you know, why not add a week? Exactly. There's so much to share. And, you know, we've done a lot of good work this year um, here at Unity World Headquarters. Sandra, of course, you serve on our board. Um, You have so many important roles. And I'm going to let you introduce yourself to um, our listeners because you're you're on the board, as I've just said, of Unity here at Unity World Headquarters. And what are your other significant roles? Well, I'm associate minister at Unity Temple on the Plaza, where I've been a member since 1980. I am um, executive director of Unity Urban Ministerial School. And so those are probably my most significant roles in, in Unity. In Unity. And you are, of course, right now a significant role for you as a daughter. Yes. yes. I am caregiver for my 99-year-old mother who's in February will be 99 and six months. So six months That's away amazing. from her 100th birthday. Yes. And she's such a joy. And it's, it's, I'm grateful that I can do for her what she did for me all my life Aww. and She's so easy to care for. It's, it's a work of love. It really is. So that's beautiful. I appreciate the unity in family, too. So ah, that's, that's beautiful. Good. Thank you for sharing that. And so I would like to talk a lot about your work with the Urban School because that is, of course, um, you know, has a 40-year history in mm-hmm. unity and is, um, you know, rooted in black leadership for our movement and really a need for birthing um, a bigger presence and an intentional presence of black leadership in unity. And so, you know, we'll do a little bit of history, but I also want to hear a lot about what's alive um, at the school today. And, you know, it's, it's 40 years. Mm-hmm. 40 years of history here. And I want to read a little bit because, um, as I mentioned before, we've done a lot of work here at headquarters this last year to really um, bring forward a significant, I'll use that word, um, experience of Black History Month for Unity. And you were part of that work, you and Charlene Manuel and Jackie Hawkins and Diana Chapman. And, uh, you know, we met monthly, sometimes more, to um, really bring forward some resources that we gathered last year when we did a social media campaign for it so that we could create this booklet. Mm-hmm. So we have an actual published booklet that people can get at unity.org, and it's called Gems of Wisdom from Black Leaders of New Thought. Yes. So we're going to be um, you know, using that as a touch point as we go through this series on Voices of Unity. And, you know, I encourage people to put your orders in. It's a free booklet, and it's gorgeous, right? It's visually gorgeous, and the content ah, is equally as vibrant. And I think that people will, you know— I don't know. I'm curious what you think. I think people might be alarmed at the lack of knowledge. I agree. That they have about the richness of our black leader 
leadership in unity in the history that we have. And a new thought. I agree with yeah. you. I mean, I there were things I learned in the process right. of us putting this book together. And Jackie, you're not giving yourself any credit, but uh-huh. you have the aesthetics, the the eye for beauty and quality and creating something. And I know the team here at Unity Village worked together in the marketing team to come up with a real creative, aesthetic, pleasing-looking booklet. And it is just absolutely beautiful, one that you'll want to keep on your shelves and share with everybody you know. And the people who are represented in the booklet, their stories are just amazing. They're inspiring. They're all unity and they're loving. Whether they come from other new thought uh, areas or unity, they all have the same general message. And you know, we all represent everybody. Right. So we're we're all people. It's and everyone's so story. It's everyone's right? it's story. Our story. It's our exactly. story. Exactly. But some and of those, these are unsung sheroes and yes, heroes yes. who we know are maybe heard about, maybe not. Right. So I encourage everyone to read these stories. Yes. And you know, I'll have to. You know, Laura Carl, our you know the manager of our design team, she really took this to heart. You know, and you know, sort of the directive that uh, we gave her from the committee was that you know we want the visual aesthetic to match the vibrancy of the stories. You know, exactly. that should you know of course utilizing the um, African colors and um, but then putting that together in a way that really you know demonstrates that vibrancy and really makes it feel like it's not sort of a, a sleepy historical document mm-hmm. but something that's alive because these stories are alive yes and the content which is what you know we really worked on um, we we had to have a cutoff point right because <laughs> it's there is it's a finite book right it's not an infinite book and um, we wanted to really capture more of the historical pieces so I think we use like the 80s or 90s as yes. kind of our cutoff yes. point of the 1980s or 90s and um, and then we allowed some of the pieces to be actual excerpts of writings of you know some of our former leaders who lived in a different time and and some of them are current like newly written pieces mm-hmm. about you know inspiration and so it's both um, sort of an, a tribute piece and also current content that is the work of our black leadership and ministry yes. and across the board, of course, across all of New Thought. And there's so many important stories. And then, like you said, sort of the unsung you know, heroes and sheroes. Yeah, and we also did the postcards from the village. So if you mm-hmm. haven't seen that, it was an intro to these sheroes and heroes and this booklet, uh, Gems of Wisdom. So you can look for that online yes. at unity.org. And that's a, a, both Charlene and I and Mark Mark uh, Fuss. And yeah. of course, Jackie and her team were there videotaping. And yeah. we just tried to get people really excited about what we're excited about. And that is learning the history. You know, our history is multifaceted. And when we learn how contributions to unity have come from so many different directions, even directions we wouldn't have thought about, right. and contributions to new thought, which is the origin of unity, too. Yes. So incorporating Centers for Spiritual Living and Religious Science and Science of Mind, you know, that's important, too, because sometimes we get caught up in our own little bubble right. and we forget that there are so many paths leading to the same direction. And there's so many who were on the same path at the same time. We're unity and unity. So yes, thank yes, you. I love it. You know, um, the other thing I'd, I'd like to mention too is that we have uh, we developed a partnership through this work with um, Women's Spirit slash Sacred Stitches, and that's uh, the business owned by Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, who recently made her transition. And um, but before that, um, after a very quick diagnosis of colon cancer. 
um, before that, we were able to develop this partnership. And so there have been some questions. Are we still doing that? Are we doing that? And yes, because she was able to source the fabric, the kente cloth, and her um, her business is vest- you know, vestiges and for clergy. And so they already had this line called River of Life and in which they would ethically source fabrics from around the world. And so they were building this, and there were not any African um, representations in that. So um, she found some Nigerian cloth and um, were able to offer stoles in the white, red, and green colors, and they're gorgeous. I mean, the gr- I've seen them. Have you seen them? Yes, yes. I subscribe to that, and I've seen them. One of my sorority sisters is one of the models. Yes, um, that's Sherry. right. Oh, yeah. and that's just that. And this yeah. is, you know, brand new. This is hot off the press information. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, so the advertising is just coming out, and really the idea for that was to to provide ministers, you know, we, we have predominantly white ministers, in unity and new thought um, and to allow people to participate in a way and to be able to have something, a visual demonstration of participating in Black History Month. Mm-hmm. And um, the partnership with unity is that some of the proceeds will come back, you know, to unity. And so it's a really beautiful partnership. So if you're signed up for unity for today or any of the um, social media platforms for unity, you'll be getting more information about that soon. They are absolutely beautiful. They are. It's I, raw I couldn't silk. decide. Yeah. Which one, you know, right. I, I was like, wow, I want them all. The, the, the uh, look really stole good on the is ropes. raw silk. Yes. Yes. And then um, with the kente cloth on, and there are yes. a couple different variations. So you they can They look good that. on a robe. They look good on a suit. They look good on they a dress. Do. You can wear them with anything. They are absolutely yeah. gorgeous. I'd encourage everybody to get one. Yes. And sport it around starting Black History Month, but wear yes. it all year. But it's wear beautiful. it all year, right? Yeah. That's the thing. We don't, yeah. you know, we don't, yeah. don't have to just, you know, mark it on the calendar for this time or that time. But it's a real, I think, important way. And, um, and the urban school has you have stoles too for you know recently celebrating your 40th Mm -hmm. anniversary Mm -hmm. and so talk about those stoles. well i wanted to do something unique and different so when we when the decision was made that we would rejoin the graduation ordination ceremony with all of the other graduates and ordinance two years ago i had uh, one of our uh, students and her Mm -hmm. mother-in-law made the stoles and they were one of the colors of the urban school which is sort of a tangerine color and those were beautiful. So the urban school students, this was the first time not having the ordination in Detroit. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to give a flavor of that. So last year I decided, you know, it would be a good idea to have something that denotes the 40th anniversary. 40 represents the year of completion right. and looking forward to what's to come, something brand new. And so uh, I wanted to show that 40 years is significant. And the, the stoles or kente cloth and uh, made by Unity of Wil- volunteers from Unity of Wilmington, North Carolina, um, who donated the time, the talent, and the, the material wow. in celebration of the Urban School. And so this year they made more, and we, of course, uh, invested in more uh, so that we can continue to uh, honor the Urban School with that particular item. So we have more. I have one for you, Jackie. You so, do? do? Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. I'm excited about that. You know, I love wearing. It got a lot of attention. Everybody at, yeah. with our graduates in ordinance wearing them want to know, where would you get those? Mm-hmm. And how do you, They are beautiful, and they do look captivating on a robe. I wear them when I do a wedding yeah. or on my black uh, funeral uh, with my black robe, uh, mm-hmm. when I do a wedding or christening or other ceremonies with my white robe, and I get lots of compliments. Beautiful. So 
Love it. We now are selling those, by the way. Ah, so awesome. Anybody so, who wants them can contact me. Contact you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we can probably find you on the website, which I want to give our listeners as we start delving more into uh, the urban school. So it's UUMS.org. Yes, Which is. is a new website. Yes. And so really want people to go there because it's it's gorgeous. It is yeah. a gorgeous site. UUMS.org. And so I'm going to read a little bit from the booklet just briefly because these are Reverend Ruth Mosley's own words. And then I want you to tell us about her. Because it represents a vanguard of positive religious and social changes throughout the unity movement. Because our school's work is to remediate inequalities and inequities in training and developing and placement of blacks and other minorities in the unity movement, it is imperative that the unity churches or unity movement as a whole be educated to the necessities of developing black leadership for the masses of minorities who are joining the unity movement daily. Because we are truly on a mission of love and determination, this makes us more determined to teach the truth, help the sick, give encouragement to the mind, and bring about peace in the inner city. Yes. Reverend Ruth is a powerful spiritual teacher and leader. Yes. And she now, she will be entering, she's entering her 90th year. On March 10th this year, she will be 90. She's in a care facility, and she's still very much alert and in tune with Unity and with the Urban School. I had the prep privilege of speaking with her on FaceTime, getting to see each other face-to-face and talk, and she couldn't say enough about She said she probably wouldn't recognize the school today, but her vision was, as Jackie read from Reverend Ruth's own words, when she was asked, what can we do for your people? That was the question, the catalyst, hmm. to bring about a dream that she had in her heart since starting in the, urban, starting in, in the School of Religious Studies. And so when she went back to Detroit and others were saying, how can I become a unity minister? I have a full-time job. I have children. I have obligations. At that time, unity was the Society for Practical Christianity. And when you hear the word society, you know it means exclusive. Mm -hmm. It's limited. It's like a country club. Maybe not intentional, but while the Fillmore's were trying not to have a religious institution, the word society seemed to take not be in tune with religion. So I can understand why they would call it that. But Mm -hmm. for some people, that meant that they were not invited to the table. So Ruth went back home and talked to some people and thought, hey, this is a great idea. Around the time that uh, Reverend Johnny Coleman finished Unity School, she sent an article to Ebony Magazine talking about the hypocrisy of Unity that believed that all people are children of God, and yet she was not treated that way. So I call Johnny Coleman the Jackie Robinson of the unity movement. (laughs) (laughs) She stood up for something, and so did her fellow white classmates. Mm -hmm. In fact, they threatened to walk out when Johnny wasn't able to live on campus, swim in the swimming pool, eat in the cafeteria or Unity Inn, uh, and do many of the things that they were able to do freely. Well, when the Ebony Magazine article appeared, it raised a lot of Concerns, sure. Because uh, you know there were people here that didn't know that these things were going on. There were others who felt you know being accused. And Ruth was asked, "Well, what do you think about that?" And Stan Hampson was the chapel, uh, the minister of Unity Village Chapel at the time, and he asked her the question, "What?" And then he said, "What can you do? What can we do for your people? You know, we need to do something. What can mm-hmm. we do?" Is what he was indicating. And Ruth said, "Educate them. We need our own school." And what she was saying is if we're not welcome to come here, the truth is the truth no matter where it's taught. 
So we're not welcome to come here. We want to be able to spread this truth to the people who don't get it, who aren't invited to this location, who cannot come here to go to school. We want to bring it to the cities. We want to bring it to the community so all people have the benefit of the Fillmore's teachings and how to apply the practical principles that Jesus taught. Stan Hepson and others didn't really take her seriously. And it took a while. Ruth went back home. She got to, her son was studying a law. She got together with uh, Wayne State University and figured out how to create a curriculum and how to create a school. Brought that idea back, and the board said, no, no way. That's not going to work. Turned her down a few times until a couple of people stepped up and said, you know, we can help you. We see your vision, and we think this is a good idea. Let us help you. And they spoke for her to the board, and it finally was approved. So in 1979, the school was launched. In the booklet, you'll see 1980. Sorry about that. That's my Mm -hmm. mistake. But in 1979, the school was launched, and the first Eight, there were 10 or 12 who were students at night. They get off work. They go take classes at night. I think they took classes with uh, Eric Butterworth, uh, wow. Jack Boland, and many others. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and of course, Ruth. And then they would come here at the end of the two years. And they'd assimilate, mm-hmm. you know, they'd assimilate with all the other students mm-hmm. in their last year. And they would graduate and get ordained just the same. And so that went on for quite a few years. And then... In 2006, well, the first 10, uh, eight of those 10 were the first ones to come here and to finish up and get ordained. The other two came the following year. Then there's another group of eight. Several of them are still living. There are two left of the first Detroit eight. Mm -hmm. Reverend Carol Amos, who's mentioned in the book. She's an article on her in the book, and she's written a book called Stumbling into Greatness about how her her passage evolved into unity. And uh, the other one is Reverend Mary Ann Finch, who founded... Unity of Charleston, South Carolina. It's the minister emeritus there. She's in a care facility. But the two of them are the last two living members of the first students who were ordained from Unity Urban School to Unity Village. That first Detroit The eight. first Detroit yeah. 8. So Rose Cooper and Sandra Bracey, and there's a few others, I think, that are the next Detroit 8 mm-hmm. who came. Among those Detroit 8, the first Detroit 8, I knew nothing about the urban school was one of my first teachers when I started in the CEP program, the Mm -hmm. Continuing Education Program, which is the predecessor to the SEE program. So these are, you know, courses for anyone who wants to take take, spiritual enrichment. So I started taking classes with the intent of becoming a unity minister in 1994. And one of the first teachers was Maurice Williams, who I did not know. At that time, he was teaching here, and he was the minister at Unity Southeast in Kansas City. And I didn't know anything about urban school, never heard of it. So I didn't know he was a member of the Detroit 8 until I got into the urban school in 2008 and started learning about it. So Reverend Ruth uh, continued on this path, sometimes spending her own resources to keep the school going. She started Westside Unity Church, and it's Westside Unity that gave birth to Unity Urban Ministerial School. Okay. So from her church. Okay. And so uh, as it continued, there have been over 100, I'd say closer to 200 graduates from the urban school. More recently, in 2006, I believe, when Unity School started working towards accreditation, somehow that bridge between Detroit and, Can- and Lee Summit or Unity Village got dropped. Mm-hmm. I don't know the history there or whether what happened, but I guess they were so working so hard to get the accreditation that right. they, they didn't have the, I don't know what happened, that stop them from bringing the students from Detroit. Mm-hmm. So that's when Reverend Dr. Catherine Thomas and Reverend Ruth Mosley put their heads together, and Dr. Ruth Mosley, 
and came up with this idea of a an online school that you know many of the universities were going to right. uh, cl- you know virtual classrooms and things like that and Catherine happened to be a, an instructor at Longview Community College here in, at Lee Summit. Mm-hmm. And they were just teaching their instructors Blackboard. Mm-hmm. And she had just started to learn So this was like it. 2010? 2000, eight, 2008. Eight. Okay. So she proposed the idea that, hey, we could probably help a lot more people who can't take off work to come to the village or even take classes at night at Unity at, in Detroit, mm-hmm. but have an interest in becoming a Unity minister. So that proposal went forward and Again, a lot of people didn't think it would work, but they finally said yes, and the Urban School launched the first online ministerial training program in 2008. I was their first student. Uh, Catherine asked me, would I take a class that Reverend, the late Reverend Bertel, Allison Telefero, who just passed away last year, who had been an educator in the Detroit school system for over 30 years and worked in educational administration as well. And she knew how to develop curriculum. So she helped develop the online curriculum, transition to the online curriculum. And they had one class that was up and no students yet. And they didn't want to launch it until they knew how it would work. Mm -hmm. So Catherine, knowing my dream was to become a unity minister eventually, and I started in 94, and now it's 2008. (laughs) So many of the classes I had taken had expired. Right. And she asked me would I just vet the class. I was an adjunct professor at Webster University and taught graduate courses, and she thought with my background in academia, maybe I would help them figure out what worked, what didn't work. I'd never had an online class or taught one. So I took this one class, and when I was finished with the class, I realized that if this was the direction they're going in, I could actually, even though I would probably have to start over, I could actually finish the ministerial program before I retired from my federal career. There you go. Or around the same right. time. So I enrolled, started. Uh, less than a year later, Reverend Karen Saunders, who is in a, mm-hmm. a legacy of the Detroit Eight, her mother was Helen, Reverend Hel- mm-hmm. the late Reverend Helen Saunders. And so Karen joined, and then Reverend Brenda Harger. The three of us became the first three online oh, graduates nice. for all of Unity. Wow. And then we were ordained after our internship in 2013. So I was able to finish my career retire in March of 2012 from the Federal Aviation Administration, where I was a manager, and then get graduate from the Urban School in May of that year, so two months later, Mm -hmm. and then do my internship for nine months at Unity Southeast, and then go back to my church after I was ordained in 2013. And who was the minister there when you did your internship? It was uh, Reverend Tom Lee, Reverends Tom Mm -hmm. and Therese Lee. They became my mentors. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. So. That's great. And so, you know, interesting to note that um, Unity Education began as a correspondence course, right? Yes, it did. You know, it was through the mail. Yeah. And so, you know, it has come full circle in a way beginning in 2008. And of yeah, course, well, actually in 94, I would come here. I had I uh-huh. came to the village. Okay. I didn't do correspondence. I came to the village for mm-hmm. CEP. One mm-hmm. week of vacation out of the year. So, you know, oh, wow. I was on a real right. slow cha- train yeah. to get here. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. So um, so you started as the first online student at the Urban School, yes. which is, you know, the, that that is the platform for the school now is entirely yes, online. Yes, entirely. Yeah. And, um, and now you're the, serving as the executive director. Yes. How about that? That's, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, 
We do have classes in Detroit, by the way. Okay. But they're not in one particular location. So usually like Detroit Unity Temple or Westside Unity, we'll have urban school students in classes. Okay. And we have more alum now, alumni now in many of the, the uh, Michigan uh, churches who are offering SE classes as well for the urban schools. So Wonderful. we still, and if there's someone who really needs a face-to-face, because, you know, online, asynchronous is not for everyone. Right. So, you know, Unity Worldwide Spiritual Institute offers the hybrid. So they have both asynchronous and synchronous. Synchronous meaning you have to be at your computer on a certain time, certain Mm -hmm. day, whatever, to be in the class, live in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Asynchronous is there's no live classroom required. But you are you're engaged fully through the, you know, online. online Uh, And that doesn't work for everybody. Mm -hmm. But it's worked for over 70 students so far in the urban school who have come are either in the process or have graduated from the program. Mm -hmm. So, yes, uh, you know, I started as a student, and then I was ordained in 2013, and I got a phone call on my vacation. I was taking that deep breath after you finished with all your classes because I had a career. So I was working, teaching at Webster as part-time adjunct, as an adjunct professor, and studying in the urban school with a family and all that. So... You know, I wanted to take a breath, and but that didn't happen when I got a phone call saying, could you teach a class where short an instructor? I was on vacation in June. Oh, wow. Right after getting ordained. And so... <laughs> you really wanted so that breath at that time. <laughs> teaching a class. Uh, I taught the history of the African-American church, which I learned so much. Oh, wow. There's a book by... H.L. Welchell, I think it is, that's phenomenal. That's still being used in it by other instructors in the urban school teaching that class. I taught history of new thought and the unity movement. Um, I, ta- I, I taught Discover the Power Within You, Lessons in Truth. I mean, some of the other classes that I loved, right. I got to teach. And then in 2013, or no, twenty that was 2013, 2014 or 15, I was asked to serve on the board. So I joined the board of directors as a secretary, the urban school board of directors, and then when our president, uh, our board, our vice president was Phil Pearson, stepped down, I took his spot. And then when our president had an, three aneurysms, mm-hmm. Reverend Gregory Geis, right. um, I had to fill in as president for a while uh, because I was vice president. So we had a lot of changes. Shortly after that, Catherine retired from the position of executive director which she had been appointed to by Reverend Ruth in 2014 or 2013. And because I'm here and Catherine's here in the Lee Summit area, it was easy to transition to me. Right. So the that board decided that I would take over as an interim executive director to make until we could fill the spot. And then after almost a year of doing that as an interim, they asked would I consider taking it on as a position. So I became the executive director of the urban school and here I am. And we're all <laughs> blessed by that decision. Well, we're I all hope blessed so. By it. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, it's this has been, um, oh, well, that's our music. So we're going to take a little break. Okay. And then I have lots of questions okay. <laughs> about the school okay. and also about your work in ministry. Okay. So we'll be right back after the break. Reverend Sandra Campbell. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez. This is Reverend Jackie, and I'm here with Reverend Sandra Campbell, Executive Director of Unity Urban Ministerial School, Associate Minister at Unity Temple on the Plaza, and all-around general rock star of a lady. Um, and we've been talking about the, how the urban school came um, to be, and uh, and I wanted to kind of talk about, like, there's there's this misconception out there that this is the black school, like, this is the black seminary, and... Um, Let's talk about that. So let's talk about the word urban, what that means. Let's talk about what the student body looks like today, what it looked like historically. And let's let's get some clarity and some correct information out there. Well, thank you for asking that, because we could ask that question a lot. Yeah. You know, what is urban? And and is this a black school? No, it's not. Um, since Almost since its inception, there have been students that are not students of color. There have been people from, you know, Caucasian to, you know, Latino. I mean, there have been others who have studied in the urban school. Many of them became unity ministers. And so they didn't fit this paradigm that some people think they hear when they hear the word urban. Urban means community. It doesn't, it, you're either rural or you're urban in your community. And usually, you know, we almost, almost always, in fact, even Reverend Ruth tied in inner city mm-hmm. when she explained what she wanted the urban school to, the outreach that she wanted the urban school to be. But actually, it's bigger than that. Now, in the beginning, that was the main focus because that seemed to be what was most lacking in unity and in Reverend Ruth's point of view. And so and I can attest to that because when I first came into unity in 1972, the people I met who introduced me to unity were African-Americans. But when I went to the unity church, I saw them. But the majority of the people there were Caucasian. And I had never worshipped except occasionally visiting the Catholic Church with my neighbors as a child. I never worshipped in a mixed environment. I was at a black Baptist church growing up, and I didn't have that exposure. I didn't even know that actually the people other than maybe Catholics worshipped together occasionally as, you know, in different cultures. So for me, that was an eye-opener. And sometimes I'd go to a unity church and I wouldn't see anybody who looked like me. And that would give the impression that I didn't belong there. Right. And that's not true because unity is one of the most welcoming environments. No matter where you go, you don't, you're not stared at because you're different. And that's what attracted me. But a lot of people would not come in the doors sure. if they thought that nobody there looked like them. Sure. And so Reverend Ruth knew that there was something sorely lacking. Something was not attracting black people to unity and she knew that there was a message in unity that helped her in her rise from a poor girl in Mississippi who had very low education and few opportunities to see the God in herself and rise above those obstacles. And if you ever get a chance to read her story, like Carol Amos's story in the in the booklet, yeah. you'll see that this this truly can inspire a lot of people who otherwise might not know anything about or even think they belong to unity. So just the word unity means all of us, right? Right. It means all of us. But that's not the way the outpicturing was right. maybe 30, 40 years ago. Sure. We look more like that today. So the Urban School, our board of directors, is probably 50-50, um, people of color and you know Caucasian. Our student body is probably more like today, 75, maybe 60-40, 60% Caucasian, 40% not people of color. Right. So, you know, that is a 
misconception that Unity Urban Ministerial School, that urban means you've got to be, it's for black people. Right. And I think if you talk to some of our students, Caucasian students, they will shout to the rafters how valuable these, the learning has been for them, especially because we get into some of the courses that you don't usually get in a in a seminary. Right. So, like, so how does that, you know, the name Urban Ministerial School, Unity Urban Ministerial School, how does that impact the course, that, what's, you know, the curriculum that is Well, selected? one of the classes that we offer, which I dearly love, and I mentioned earlier, one of the first classes I taught, and I had to learn to teach that class. I had to learn a lot of stuff and read the books to teach that class because as much as I knew, I still didn't know the history of how Christianity and African Americans came together in this country from slavery. Mm-hmm. And so... The history of the African-American church is a powerful class that we teach. We also teach urban strategies, urban strategies, meaning how do you how do you interface with people in your community inside and outside of your church as a minister? How do you interface with people who are different than you are, who have different backgrounds? Maybe they've had served time in a correctional facility. Maybe they were uh, um, abused or they had addictions. Um, So we deal with a lot of, you know, Jesus was the original urban minister. Yeah, He went to where the people were, not where the law said he could and could not go. And the laws were very strict about who he could interface with. So urban ministry means everybody, everybody. That old pamphlet, that old track that Unity put out, Unity Leaves No One Out, Mm -hmm. that's what urban ministry is about. That's everybody. And we all need that. We, you know, do. we all need, you know, to be able to, because regardless of uh, where geographically your ministry is located, your spiritual community is located, we all as human beings have a tendency to create homogeny, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we uh, like attracts to like. Yes. And then we sit around and we look, oh, well, who, how are we excluding people? Because what happens then if somebody shows up who's different, it's harder for that person to fit in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though we have a lot of well-meaning people and certainly want to be inclusive, um, having that as a lived experience takes intention and it takes education and really specific education on how to to create that um, inclusive and open, truly open community where it's not like, oh, we're open. Anyone mm-hmm. can come in. And then we sit there and wait. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we, you know, get beyond the walls of the building and really connect and exactly. create those relationships? And I would say, regardless of whether that person ever comes into the building, mm-hmm. right? Don't we want to be connected to our communities? We do. And, and it's okay for people to stay where they are. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what else um, in the curriculum do you think reflects that, that, that is a different flavor than what Unity Worldwide Spiritual Institute Well, first offers? of all, let me say that our basic curriculum flows together with Unity Worldwide Ministries requirements. Mm-hmm. So the, the spiritual education and enrichment courses, the 18 required courses, the prerequisites right. to the ministry path are all the same. Right. Well, and, we, so, and to be clear for anyone who doesn't know, because the ordaining body is still Unity Worldwide Ministries. And so, you know, the, the getting the degree, getting the certification, whatever you're, you're getting through academically is one piece of the pie <laughs> of, right. you know, to become a credentialed leader, a minister. And the other piece is to be ordained. Yes. And so there are, of course, going Going to be overlapping requirements. Yes, like so. The, the the prerequisites to even get into ministerial school are the same. Yes, they're the same. So then, when you have your advanced classes, your ministerial classes, that's where we get into the electives 
that we can offer in addition to those that are required by UWM Mm -hmm. that relate to urban ministry or relate to marketing or relate to, you know, so we we try to parallel Mm -hmm. the courses, but we also make sure we we apply those specific courses that relate outside of the church walls. Right. So prison ministry is a good one. That's a you great know, example. I had a great time when I was a student taking that class. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a I got some tremendous eye opening experiences just from taking that class. And um, you know I don't want to take up all the time telling about that particular experience, but I've also heard the same thing from current students and alumni who since. The three of us, as I call us, guinea pigs, that <laughs> right. did the online program back in the in the two thousand nine to twenty third to twenty twelve. Um, that they also talk a lot about those extraneous courses that they would never have considered taking anywhere, even at a college. Right. And then they got into the course and realized, wow, you know, why would I, as a Caucasian, want to take a class called the history of the African American Church? What does that have to do with me? Right. And especially when, like, as you've said, you you look around at unity churches, you're not seeing a lot of African-American unity churches, you know. And so, like, again, the question of relevancy. Yes. Yes. It's relevant because your community outside yes. of your church walls is not yes. going to look exactly like those that are inside your mm-hmm. church walls. And we have a tendency as human beings, and you hinted at that, Jackie, to other people. We mm-hmm. don't do it intentionally, but, it, you know. If they don't look like us, they don't live in our neighborhood, they don't worship where we worship, they don't do the things we do. We think they're so different than us that they're just sort of out. We don't know how to relate to them. Right. And so if nothing else, you learn some things in history that may teach you why certain people or groups of people behave a certain way, why they assimilate a certain way, why they worship a certain way. And who doesn't love a good old-fashioned, high-spirited gospel song? I mean, who doesn't, really? Yeah. Like, I've seen the white congregation at Unity Temple mm-hmm. jump to their oh, feet yeah. and not even know the history of that song. So right. I like to tell the backstories because many right. of these songs have a deep, a deep history. Deep. I mean, yeah. these songs, they're not just spirited because they feel good and they, they make you want to get to your feet. But somebody who wrote that song was going through a dark night of the soul mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. Yeah. And that song, like Amazing Grace, has lifted people up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that learning the history helps you to better understand people who are different than you are. Right. And our and our culture in general. Yes. You know, I mean, so much has shifted over how um, Americans engage spiritual community mm-hmm. that, you know, having you know, history is always, always it's, good, it's a really good way to enrich, enrich in our lives. Yeah. And so I want to hear about you. So as we'll just say a product of the urban school, mm-hmm. and um, we know that now you've come full circle back into, you know, leadership as executive director, but you also have your work at Unity Temple on the Plaza and your work in the world. And, you know, I don't, you know, I'm came to Unity in 2009, and I don't know a Unity without Sandra Campbell. Oh, yeah. You know, so you're, you are part of, you know, my Unity experience, and, you know, a real mainstay and in, in leader in that, that, you know, you inspired me personally. So what, you know, what has been your focus in your ministerial work? Well, you know, I, years ago, um, my father, the night before he was murdered on Christmas Eve, had me... Uh, captivated with just telling me about myself. And he said, you're special and you're going places. And I wish I could live to see it. But remember, you're nobody if you're not trying to help somebody. Mm. And I didn't know, and my dad didn't know, that that very 
statement was a definition of my name. My name, Sandra, comes from the Greek name Alexander, which means helper of mankind. That has been my modus operandi ever since sitting on his lap that night at 25. I was 25 years old. And the next day, you know, we were planning his funeral. And so, but he gave me something that's worth more than gold, and that is to tell me who I am, to help me to confirm my purpose in life. Mark Twain said, the two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. The day you find out why. And I knew why from 25, it was 25, you know, it takes in your 20s or 30s before you figure out what I want to be. But I knew that I wanted to be a helper. And so every job I've had throughout my 42-year federal career, I've always looked for ways that I can use that job as a helping opportunity. And I've had many. But this particular role as Associate Minister of Unity Temple gives me so many more opportunities to help, not only with our, our senior minister, Duke Tufte, mm-hmm. who was always open to, he was, he signed the paper when I first enrolled in CEP. He and Pat Williamson was then our oh, associate yeah. minister, wrote a note at the bottom of my letter, which I still have saying, we see you being a great minister. Oh, love it. Back in 94, when I didn't yeah. see that, I just yeah. thought I would dabble and see if this was for me. So I think, you know, being able to be a beneficial presence to people wherever they have a need that's going to where the people are, mm-hmm. you know, so that that to me is my whole purpose. I love mm-hmm. it. And so that shows up in your work with Courageous Conversations. Yes. Oh, that was something. I was in Orlando shortly after the Pulse shooting, the Pulse mm-hmm. nightclub shooting. And my husband and I decided we wanted to drive down. It was near I was at Christchurch, uh, Christchurch Unity, Reverend Cynthia Anderson's church. And now a member of our board of directors who was her associate is Reverend Roxanne Graves, who's also an urban school alum. And so they had me come and do SEE classes. And so after driving around and listening in that church to some of the people who were affected by that shooting, uh, whose family members and friends were victims, you know, that gave me something deep to share when I got back. But I didn't want to be the business as usual, talk about metaphysics, talk about, you know, we're all good and everything is great and, you know, wonderful. I wanted to talk about reality. Mm-hmm. And I, I gave a, a sermon that Sunday when I returned, what is ours to do? That became the catalyst for Courageous Conversations. Because there are a lot of things we want to talk about, but we don't know how to talk about them. And we want to share, but we don't want know how we'll be received. We don't want to offend anybody. And unity, we're so careful about that. So we don't often speak the truth to power because Mm -hmm. we're so afraid we might step on somebody's toes. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to look at how can we be a catalyst for change if we just keep our mouths shut? Dr. King said, in the end, we will not be so concerned about the silence, about the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Yeah. All of us are well-meaning and well-intentioned, but we don't always speak truth to power when it's when the opportunity presents itself. So I wanted us to say, you know, before we go through another one of these mass killings, before someone does something atrocious, let's talk about it. Even if our political views are totally opposite, we can still have a conversation, be friends, and learn to listen to each other. And when we listen, we get a better understanding. Maybe even we change our minds. Mm-hmm. We see things from a different point of view. I know Jackie Fernandez, right? And so when you say something about someone 
and I know that person in a different way, I can speak up and say, but that's not the Jackie that I know. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you have you ever thought about talking to Jackie about that? Or, you know, it may be something political. Maybe in our climate today, I may have a conversation with somebody and they trigger me. Yeah. Well, if I can learn how to use that anger for something to make it and turn into something positive, turn your mess into your message, your test into your testimony, which I've had to do many times, then that is the purpose of courageous conversation. So that's what we've done. And then we're able to take it to the unity convention in, 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 was it San Antonio Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago? Mm -hmm. And I did a workshop and in that workshop, I stepped out on faith because I thought, I don't know how many people are going to like this, but I showed the film white like me. Yeah. And that generated Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell was there. Mm -hmm. Jim Blake was there. A lot of our union ministers. We had a conversation after people were opening up and talking about things that they were afraid to talk about or share that have gone on in their unity churches that have affected them personally, you know, othering and, and, you know, disrespect, you know, and that started to become a bigger catalyst for conversations. And now I'm proud to say that many of our unity churches have just picked up that ball. Reverend Wendy has taken it to a whole new level. And um, they've had me come to churches. I'm going to Dallas the end of March. I'm mm-hmm. going to do a Courageous Conversations workshop. Richmond, Virginia, I did one at Unity of Richmond and Unity of Bonaire. They had me do a Q&A session. And after that, they started their own. And they've I called me it. since then, the leader, and asked me questions. Yeah. We've done book studies. We've had guest speakers. We've had the dreamers come and tell us the truth They're on their side of the story of what it's like to be a member of DACA and not be able to go to get a master's degree and not be able to go to to get, you know, a tax return, can't file taxes. I mean, we've opened our eyes and our consciousness. We're more woke than we were before. That's so important. That work is so important because, you know, what you're talking about, you know, we all have opinions mm-hmm. and we all have passions, you know, but being able to have the skill of listening as well as speaking and communicating together is not something that is naturally nurtured in our culture. Yes. You know, we um, it's easy to sort of pick up a banner. It's easy to fight and defend or the opposite, which is to remain silent so that we don't rock the boat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we sort of operate in these polarities and um, because that middle ground is so dangerous. It is. Personally, yes. you know, our egos are threatened. Yes. Our, you know, structures that we create um, you know, the, or the illusion, maybe, of what we've created in our communities and our government systems. So to be able to take the time and spiritual community in that context to really sit and listen with an openness and, you know, and a, a listening to really, truly hear yes. is so critical. It's very important. And we, we just recently started studying the book, the Person You Mean to Be by Dolly Chug. Oh, yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. And now I'm inviting Tracy Brown. Uh, we're going to be doing, using. I introduced her book at our meeting. We meet the second and fourth Sundays at mm-hmm. Unity Temple after service. And I uh, introduced her book, Stained Glass Spirit, which she gets into diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. You know, diversity, is, we all talk about diversity. We value diversity. Yeah. We want people, we want difference. Right. But we don't always include them. Right. You know, we don't know how, you know, right. because we're into our own little groups and our own little bubbles and mm-hmm. You don't know exactly. You don't want to offend anybody, say the wrong thing or call them by the wrong name or, you know, and Mm -hmm. so how do you get people into your group? You know, but we have to start seeing the humanness in everybody. We're all human and divine. If we take out the out, take off this outer covering, 
We're all look the same. The same. Yeah. We're, the same. <laughs> We're all we bleed the same. We look the same. Yeah. We got to get beyond the the facade of this illusion of the skeleton that's outside right. of us mm-hmm. and know, you know, see the inner being, the beauty, the essence that we see. When I look into your eyes, Jackie, I see a reflection of myself. I cannot see my eyes. Right. I see me through your eyes. Beautiful. So we've got to start doing more of that. So we we're getting deeper. We've shown films like Thirteenth, mm. and gotten people who wow. would say they walk away going, "I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I never knew that." And now they treat people differently in the grocery store who are looking to, who look different than they do because they've got it. They're waking up. Right. You know, we all live in some kind of a bubble, but to have a courageous conversation, you have to step out of your comfort zone. You have to. And it's like now's the time. Like yeah, it is. We you know we need to grow up in that way as really a society, do. you know, and to really just be you know, it's time. We need each other now. And, and you know, maybe you could stop the clock at any point in history and say we need each other now more than ever. But I'm going to say it for today. Yes, we for do. Us. We need each other now more than ever. I mean, the the school shootings are now church shootings. Exactly. I mean, it's just it's not getting better in some of those ways. And everybody's struggling with something. Yes. You cannot look at someone and and determine where they live. You know, mm-hmm. they must be they must have everything going for them or mm-hmm. or the position they hold or, you know, whatever. You cannot judge a book by its cover. Everybody is struggling with something. And when we get to understand that, we start seeing each other, the humanness in each person, right. even the person who commits a heinous crime. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have done that if they weren't struggling with something. Right. Right. All of those behaviors are a symptom of yes. the deeper issues. Exactly. And so, you know, that that name unity you know, is a calling for us It is to really step into it and embody it in a way that we've never done before. And we've come a long way. We like have come Virginia a long way. Commercial. Right? We have. We don't want to go way. back. We no. want to keep moving forward. Yeah. And I think when we br- embrace each other, you know, mm-hmm. when we start seeing the good in each person we meet, even the person who cuts you off in traffic, yeah. you don't know why they may be, right. there may be some emergency. They may be just crazy, but there could be some emergency. <laughs> you know, you don't need to, do the one finger salute. Right, Just right. bless them on their way. Give them plenty of space yes. so they don't run into you. And bless them because you don't know what that person is dealing right. with. Right. And that's, you know, I mean, such a good example, you know, because it also speaks to, like, what the condition of our own heart is in that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, it, like... Getting upset, it's like, well, we're just going to make all that about me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this is not about me, you know, exactly. and we can really just loosen that up. And then now let's take that exponentially into our communities, into our homes with our families exactly. and into our neighborhoods. And, you know, OK, if this is not about me, what might it be about? Exactly. You know what? What maybe I can help, like yeah. give a blessing. How can I step into a place of service instead of worrying about what I am or I'm not receiving? Yes. What is this moment? experience, this inner encounter, this mm-hmm. other person who triggers me? What is that here to teach me about yeah. myself? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> what, is that? what is that here to teach me about myself? Mm-hmm. That's really good work. Well, I think we've done a really solid job of kicking off Black History Month. Yay! Yeah, and I'm so excited to be able to do this, um, you know, here on Voices of Unity. We are going to have, next week, I've got Reverend Jackie Hawkins. We'll be talking about civil rights and and within unity as well as within, and I think that brings some of, like, what you talked about, the history of black churches. So let's bring our shared society history into the context of our unity history, because it's not separate. We, you know, have the 
this tendency to study history in isolation. Like, mm-hmm. you know, my favorite thing is to like look at, you know, a timeline mm-hmm. that contains like worldwide events, like to know who in history lived at the same time. Exactly. You know, as other people, because we just learn things in isolation. So how can we bring our shared society experience of black history, black leadership and um, and all of the issues of racism and race that, you know, and then, and then, how is that showing up specifically within unity? And exactly. so let's let's bring that all to light. And then, of course, Reverend Charlene Manuel will come to the table, and then Reverend Dinah Chapman, and then I've invited Apostle Lashawn McIntosh, who's oh. from Texas, and she's uh, oh, I just met her at the Creating Change um, conference there in Dallas, and she's been a minister since she was seven. What? Yeah. Oh, so wow. I'm really I can't wait to hear this. I know. To I want to hear them all because I know all the other ones and I know how right. powerful they are. So they are. I can't wait to hear them. Yes. So yeah. we're, you know, I wanted to, you know, get outside of the unity bubble a little bit yeah. as well, you yeah. know, which we'll do in some of those conversations as well, get into other new thought areas. But, um, you know, the, the, of course, the four of you, Diana, Charlene, Jackie, and you, um, we're really core at bringing this booklet together and have really, you know, been in this conversation with me this year. And so I wanted to bring, bring you That's all good. to this show to to be able to, you know, speak to our listeners and get um, sort of, you know, your voice into this. And, and of course, to plug, plug the booklet, because I think it's like this is the beginning. Yes. And now there's no turning back in terms of how can we really um, crystallize our um, our teaching about our black history in, in new thought. And it's, you know, it's an invitation for our, you know, our TFAM, for CSL, for all of our new thought brothers and sisters to come into the conversation and let's let this be, you know, let this richness loose. And it's an invitation for people who are skeptical about unity being for white people. So make sure you get this booklet out in your communities. Yes. And even though there's no charge for the booklet, I encourage you to give a donation because publication isn't cheap. And these are color. So, you know, color printing is even more expensive. So I got a hundred of them for Unity Temple and we're giving a love offering. Wonderful. And so we're going to be spreading them all over the place. So make sure you take them, get them, get, get the word out there. Yes. Unity is for everybody. It really is. And I would like to see us continue to grow in how we, you know, provide these resources so that, you know, everyone can benefit from the knowledge, the wealth of knowledge and the experience and the inspiration. I mean, there's so much inspiration in the pages of these books. Yes. yes. Thank and you, these, these voices are still living, still vibrant. And so thank you so much for being here. And thank you. And happy Black History Month to everyone, thank to all the you. listeners here at Voices of Unity. And we'll be back next week. Until then, tune in and tune up in spirit. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.